0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. The 2018 Concert of Colors is coming up in July. And you can suggest a song that would be performed by the Don Was All-Star Review. This year's theme is Detroit Rock City. Head to WDET.org. Enter your favorite rock song about Detroit or your favorite rock song by a Detroit band Artist and then plan to attend the free concert at Orchestra Hall with WDET's Ishmael Ahmed and Anne DeLisi on Saturday, July 14th. This year, a second concert has been added on July 15th at the Michigan Theater in Jackson, Michigan. For the second year in a row, President Trump skipped last week's White House Correspondents Dinner to instead hold a campaign rally. This year, he left Washington, D.C. and headed to Washington, Michigan, in Macomb County. Michigan is one of the states that helped put Trump in the White House after he spent lots of time and energy tapping into a feeling in several Midwest states that working class white people in particular were being left behind in the new economy. Trump's rhetoric is steeped in racial and xenophobic context and sentiments. It's a manipulative message designed to divide and stoke resentment. But It's also rooted in real economic anxiety across the so-called Rust Belt. Cities and regions built around 20th century industries are falling behind coastal cities that have become hubs for tech and knowledge economies. But our next guest says cities like Detroit and Flint, just up the road, also hold significant assets and that they are critical to renewing America's economic promise going forward. Alan Barubi is a senior fellow and deputy director of the Brookings Institution's Metropolitan Policy Program. He's the lead author of Renewing America's Economic Promise Through Older Industrial Cities. Alan Barubi joins me now. Welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Good morning, Stephen. Thanks for having me on.
0: Mm-hmm. So this study is about, quote, older industrial cities. What do you mean when you use that term?
1: Well, uh, it sort of starts with where you were starting the conversation about the discussion about the Rust Belt and the Heartland post-election. Um, you know, when we think about what these, you know, economically stressed places are, where Trump country is, our attention often goes to the very sort of small towns and rural communities that you know, don't have a lot of people, but maybe voted for President Trump in very large numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think our contention in the, in the report that we just published is that the economic renewal of the Rust Belt, if it's going to happen, is not going to come from the very smallest and most remote places. It's going to come from what, re, what have been and remain the economic engines of that region of the country, which are these older industrial cities like Detroit, like Flint, like Kalamazoo and Battle Creek, too, mm-hmm. Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania – Indiana have uh, many, many of these cities that uh, I think going forward are actually going to be more important economic centers for that region of the country than they have been over the past 40 or 50 years. Yeah.
0: Um, At the same time, your study lists Detroit as a vulnerable city. Uh, Talk about the progress that uh, a lot of people are talking about here in Detroit and the things that you see that still make it. Vulnerable or precarious—the the, the the sort of outlook for the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, just to start with, sort of the, the definition of these places. We were looking at cities in the United States that have a significant sort of urban population, uh, but have undergone significant deindustrialization mm-hmm. over the past uh, 40 to 50 years, places that had a lot of manufacturing back in 1970, but have lost a lot of those jobs and had difficulty sort of shifting to new sources of growth, new sectors. Uh, certainly Detroit and Flint are among those. Um, you know, Detroit over the past two decades, so the, in the 21st century, it's really a story of the, I think the 2000s versus the 2010s. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, most of the Midwest, particularly the auto states like Michigan and Ohio and Indiana, uh, suffered through a recession that actually lasted most of the 2000s and began the beginning of the decade with the, the national downturn. Right. didn't really end. And then the Great Recession, the auto collapse hit, the bottom really fell out of the economy, resulting in uh, massive increases in unemployment, foreclosures, outmigration. Um, I think in some ways at that point, Uh, Detroit and Wayne County, which is the report focuses on urban counties like Wayne County, uh, may actually have bottomed out economically because since then, almost all of the indicators for Wayne County have turned positive Mm -hmm. in terms of job growth, particularly in advanced manufacturing and advanced services, new housing development. Uh, in migration, actually, Wayne County is beginning to uh, gain people from more expensive coastal places like San Francisco, Boston, New York, uh, and is actually one of the top performers on our economic index in this decade. Still, because it fell so far in the 2000s and in many of the decades before that, uh, it falls into this sort of vulnerable category that you alluded to, given the fact that the recovery, I think, still is precarious mm-hmm. in the long sweep of history, and whether or not it can persist, uh, if and when the national economy undergoes another downturn, I think is still an open question.
0: Yeah, and and at the same time, uh, here in Detroit, in some other. Uh, old industrial cities, we see these these gaps that persist as well in in the nature of the recovery. If you think of the racial gaps in income and employment, higher levels of concentrated poverty and economic segregation that's another that's another factor that I think also makes this idea of recovery quite vulnerable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think any recovery that's uh, built on the backs of uh a small segment of the population and the workforce is by its very definition precarious. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly something that these older industrial cities have in common uh, and which I think has held back and could continue to hold back their growth if it's not addressed are these racial divides. I mean, these are the cities like Detroit and Chicago and Cleveland uh, that were the sites of the what was called the Great Migration in the first half of the 20th century. African Americans moving from uh, the South to the North, the great factory cities of the North, uh, but where de jure segregation was still the norm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Redlining, uh, public housing built in segregated communities. Um, So that de jure segregation Uh, You know, when the Fair Housing Act was passed in 1965, it didn't end all that. Uh, It's still de facto segregation in a lot of these communities. Uh, where significant groups of racial and ethnic minorities, particularly African Americans, are still physically and socially separated from economic and educational opportunity. And you, you see those gaps in educational attainment and achievement, in workforce participation, in income and wealth. Uh, and I think uh, the future of these cities and their ability to, to grow and grow in a broad based way is going to come down to whether they can be more inclusive in terms of who's included in the economy. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Alan Barubi. He's a senior fellow and deputy director of the Brookings Institution's Metropolitan Policy Program. He's the lead author of a report called Renewing America's Economic Promise Through Older Industrial Cities. We're talking about the role that older industrial cities like our own Detroit, like Flint, Kalamazoo, Battle Creek, uh, might play in the turnaround economically for the country, not just for the folks who live in those cities, but for all of us who live in America. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313 577 1019, what do you think about the prospects for recovery in places like Detroit and Flint? What do you think that recovery can portend for recovery, economic recovery, more generally here in America? How important are those two things uh, to happen sort of simultaneously and together and sort of draw connections between each other? Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number. On the phones, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, Alan, I want to talk a little about what you think the sort of keys to that recovery are in these these, uh, older industrial cities. Uh, As I said earlier in the conversation, there's a lot of Debate here about <clears throat> Detroit and its recovery, sort of how that's actually going. Uh, every once in a while, we get signs that things are getting better. We're getting one today, in fact. Uh, the 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 state oversight that we've been under uh, since the beginning of bankruptcy is scheduled to end today, which means that uh, for the last three years, we've had a balanced budget, something that has always been kind of elusive here in the state, in the city of Detroit. But at the same time, we've got these these lingering issues. Uh, what are the things that we need to be doing uh, to to capitalize on this this potential that you see?
1: Yes, Stephen, I think that's certainly good news about the the Financial Review Commission and a you know, sign that the city is beginning to get its fundamentals in order, which mm-hmm. I think is a precursor to you know, the tougher stuff in terms of economic and, mm-hmm. and workforce development. And, you know, our report is really uh, laying out, I think, an agenda for these cities that's about the longer term economic fundamentals that they need, which are based, you know, first and foremost in active research and development and collaboration between higher education, uh, research institutions, and the private sector, which can be the source of good job growth. I think you're seeing some of that in Detroit, and it's showing up in terms of the quality of the job growth going on in in Detroit and Wayne County this decade. Uh, But in some ways, Creating the jobs is uh, is good, but if you don't have qualified workers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and diverse qualified workers to fill those jobs, uh, you just can't uh, – you're not going to get very far in that regard. So yeah. I think um, what all of these cities need to be focused on uh, in the coming decades is dramatically scaling up uh, – opportunities and in particular work-based learning opportunities for young people that expose them to the world of work and the opportunities in the world of work and the both the hard and the soft skills that you need to be a, a successful participant in the workforce today. I think, you know, Governor Snyder's Marshall Plan for Talent is a good start. It's got a good name. Um, <clears throat> but I would say it's not yet really if I can use the word Marshallian and its magnitude, <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> I think uh, you know to really reach the the large number of of young people. And those, these older industrial cities, they do have a lot of young people, which I think is, can be a great resource. Um, but a lot more of them need exposure to those kinds of opportunities for both for both learning and work together. Um, And I'd say the other thing that these cities need, and Detroit, I think, is a particular case of this, is to make sure that the job centers that are growing are actually physically accessible to more of the city's population. We actually highlight the work of Detroit Future City in our report, which is an organization that's focused on making smarter use of the city's land for economic and community development because it's it's a good thing to grow jobs uh, but if those jobs are separated from the people who need them they're mm-hmm. they're going to go unfilled and economic opportunities can be left on yeah.
0: the table. and transit of course plays a huge role in that picture too it's something we have not. Been able to get our act together on around here for 40 years. We're going to maybe take another crack at that in the fall. Uh, but but you talk about you know getting people to job centers. That's that's absolutely key uh, to that end.
1: Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I think Detroit's always <laughs> for national urban observers a case study and a place that uh, keeps trying and I think failing to get its act together on transit. Uh, but I don't actually don't see. Uh, future for cities that aren't better connected up mm-hmm. uh, in terms of you know where the, where their population and economic centers are transit it's not the only thing but it's got to be part of that picture and you actually see a lot of cities uh, growing cities in the south like Nashville are examining this issue where I think a lot of the the local populace is, is realizing yeah they came of they came of age as a city at a time when uh, you know, the, the car was dominant in American society. They, they didn't have the original bones of these older Northeast and Midwest cities that uh, were conducive to transit. But they know if they're going to be a competitive city in the future, and they don't want to be stuck in traffic like Atlanta, mm-hmm. <laughs> they got to they do this. But yeah. I think it, the, the same holds for every major American city today. It's got to be part of the future picture. Yeah.
0: Uh, Again, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Call and tell us what you think about the prospect for economic rebound here in the city of Detroit. Are we seeing enough of it now? If we want to see more in the future, what are the things that we need to do? What do we need to do to make sure that everybody here is benefiting from that rebound? Think of the gaps that we see, the racial gaps that we see, the geographic gaps that we see in the nature of economic rebound here, and how important are those rebounds to the overall economic renewal here in uh, the uh, United States of America. Uh, You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Yeah, good morning. Uh, Let me say this up front. I'm the eternal optimist. You know, just like the, I guess, the paraphrase the and the phoenix rose from the ashes <laughs> detroit is the phoenix okay mm-hmm. and i mean ever so slowly we are rising out of the ashes i mean as you mentioned about the uh... financial review committee which is going to be my word here dissolved and the city will basically you know kind of like be on its own again um... and you know and and in terms of the migration now it's like A direct opposite of what happened in the first fifty years here. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of young Caucasians and other folk who are coming here. I mean, you know, we—meaning black folks—we're already here, okay. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a sprinkling of a few in that migration, but you know, the future. I mean, you know, they. I believe that the children are our future, and that's it. The future is 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 the young folks. And, I mean, you know, uh, being the automobile capital in the world, you know, I mean, we're not really that anymore, just a name only. But we've got the infrastructure here for literally, you know, a lot of things yeah. that um, you know, when these companies come in, if they would just kind of clean up some of these places, for instance, in terms of what Mr. Gilbert is doing downtown, folks can just clean. You know, they can just move in and plug the things in, and they can go to work. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. But
2: but Detroit's going to be okay. We are going to rise out of the ashes.
0: Tom, I I appreciate the call uh, and the and the comments there. Uh, the the idea of people. Coming back to the city, uh, Alan, I think is is part of the keys to to sort of growing the economy. But again, th- that that always sort of butts up against this tension between uh, you know new people in the city and the advantages that they bring with them, and the opportunity that's sort of left behind for the folks who are already here.
1: Yeah, I, and it's a very understandable tension given uh, given Detroit's history and very complicated. Um, racial history, in fact. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I think you know, from, an, from an economic standpoint, um, you know, I think opportunity has to start with growth. Uh, you don't get uh, you don't get more people into the workforce and rising wages and incomes and and more educational opportunity without economic growth, mm-hmm. without uh, without new jobs, without jobs in, in good paying sectors. Uh, so, to the extent that. The in-migration is, uh, is reflective of that growth or fueling that growth because it's bringing back entrepreneurs and innovators. I think that's really important for a broader-based opportunity uh, in the city. But I think keeping the pressure on making sure that the opportunity is extending to more of the populace, to more of the city's neighborhoods, not just occurring in the, the downtown to the Midtown Corridor, is essential, and I think the the mayor and the and the city and a lot of the organizations like Detroit Future City I alluded to are are very very focused on that. Um, I think the what you know people who think about the economy it's sometimes hard to put your finger on this this uh, concept of. Uh, realness and authenticity, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, you know, talked to a lot of people in the Midwest and, and writing this report, and I was struck almost at every city that I went to and organization I talked to. The leadership coming from people under the age of forty-five—it's—it's uh, it's real, it's palpable, it's different than it used to be. I expected to go into a lot of smoky rooms filled with old people, and it was a different—it's <laughs> definitely a different scene in these cities than than it was when I started in this this ideas industry. Mm. Um, so there's something there's something happening here that again you can't quantify it, um, but I think the energy is is real and it's important.
0: Uh, Tom, again, thanks for the call. And the questions, let's go to Paul in Oakland Township. Paul, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Oh, thank you. Thanks uh-huh. for taking the call. I yeah. guess I want to pose a question, actually. Um, I, I've been following the economy in the region for quite some time, and I, I know that it was pretty much inevitable, the decline of the auto industry was, well, you know, was was going to happen. The decline in manufacturing, I mean, his, history proves um, you know, we were to Great Britain what China is to us, and and those cycles continue. But this 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 trickle down kind of economic concept that started with Reagan—that we just cut taxes for more prosperity—yet we've found ourselves in a position now where we have an ill ill-prepared workforce. We weren't prepared for what was going to happen or or pretty much everyone saw on the horizon, and we continue to do the same thing. What role does that have in this inability for the region to rebound?
0: Hmm. Uh, Great question. Uh, Paul, thanks very much for for calling in. Alan, I'll let you uh, address that.
1: Yeah, I I think the caller is right that these are cycles. (laughs) And you know Detroit and, and Michigan and and the Rust Belt in particular was part of a cycle of the uh, you know the rise of manufacturing in North America in the early you know the late 18th to all the way through the middle to latter half of the 20th century, uh, but that. Yeah, that's been in decline since first the jobs moved to the south. <laughs> mm-hmm. So through the '50s, uh, you know, through uh, pretty much the end of the 20th century, it was the rise of Tennessee and uh, Alabama and South Carolina in manufacturing, and then those jobs went to China mm-hmm. or they went to Mexico. Um, so uh, it's it, if you take a historical view of this stuff, it's absolutely right. Uh, I would say that the the economics though suggests that. Um, that America and its its major urban centers have an important role to play in the global supply chain of manufacturing. And I think uh, the more advanced these jobs have gotten, the more uh, digital and computer intensive they've gotten, and the more reliant they've gotten on the kind of engineering talent that's present in Southeast Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, actually the more valuable and important piece of the future of the Southeast Michigan, Michigan-wide, Rust Belt-wide economy they have become. Uh, they're n- it's not going to be the source of as many jobs as it used to be. Uh, right. I think Wayne County had about a uh, quarter million manufacturing jobs in 1970, has yeah. about 90,000 yeah. today, yeah. Um, but they are the source of uh, tremendous innovation and wider prosperity that in turn supports a lot of other sectors of the economy, retail, accommodation, uh, other kinds of services. So, again, not not the crux of the economy anymore, but one among a series of sectors that I think can be important to the region's future. Mm-hmm.
0: Paul, again, thanks for the call. And the questions, let's go to Jason in Dearborn. Jason, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello, and I really appreciate the conversation. Um
2: I'd like to get the uh, guest view on organized labor's role in rejuvenating some of these uh, Midwest Rust Belt uh, type uh, locations. Mm-hmm. I think traditionally you've seen the middle class, sturdy middle class,
1: be uh,
0: supported by large numbers of unionization. And this is across sectors. I know we talk a lot about manufacturing, but um, any job can be unionized and you can, you know, the service employees union, um Ask me, all these uh, other unions, uh, we see what the teachers are doing across the country right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a revitalized labor movement has to be part of this discussion and uh, doesn't necessarily have to be manufacturing job. And I'd like to see, I'd like to hear what your guest has to hmm. say about that yeah. angle. Jason, great question. Uh, thanks for calling in and asking Alan Barubi. Of uh, the Brookings Institution, uh, tell us about the the role of organized labor in the future in terms of, you know, supporting those middle class incomes that we saw help make Detroit what it what it was.
1: Yeah, I think it's about, um, you know, I think it's about what is the role that organized labor could play going forward versus how it it's been conceptualized in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look to the successful. advanced manufacturing regions of the world. Uh, You know, labor is actually a really active collaborator in keeping industry competitive, keeping productivity high and wages and incomes high as a result. If you look at Central Europe, if you look at Germany or Austria or Switzerland, uh, the nature of collaboration between management and labor is what keeps those sectors healthy. So, yes, it can be about... uh, uh, pressuring management to, to keep jobs here, to keep wages high. But I think the role of organized labor in the pipeline, in, in training, in, uh, in work sharing when the economy hits a, a rough patch, uh, I think those, those kinds of functions and the role of labor can really be uh, an important part of keeping Michigan, Southeast Michigan, and the Rust Belt—a uh, center of uh, advanced manufacturing and advanced services going forward. But I think it takes a, a rethink and a new kind of, a new kind of pact, if you will, between management and labor in terms of what they're trying to do uh, together. Yeah.
0: Okay. Alan Barubi, senior fellow and deputy director of the Brookings Institution's Metropolitan Policy Program, lead author of Renewing America's Economic Promise Through Older Industrial Cities. Thanks very much for joining us on Detroit Today.
1: Thank you so much, Stephen.
0: Up next, we're going to talk about a recent dust up between two candidates for governor that confronts the issues of racism and religion. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss out on any of today's show, you don't have to miss out entirely on the conversation. You can go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen whenever you are ready. We'll be right back. More Detroit Today.